This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Company presents Sports Talk 790 Astroline. Astroline. The official off-season show of Astros baseball. World Series champion. This is where we talk about your champs. Join the show. Post your questions and comments on social media. Just be sure to hashtag Astroline. See you later. Go Astros. We're in Championship City. Live from Plucker's Wing Bar on Shepherd. Sports Talk 790 Astroline starts now. And greetings from Plucker's Wing Bar, 1400 Shepherd near downtown Houston. Another edition of Astroline presented by Carbock Brewing Company. I'm Robert Ford, radio broadcaster for the Astros. And pleased to be joined by our special guest, such a big part of what the Astros did all year. Fifth in the American League in hitting with a 314 average, 13 homers, and some big hits in the postseason. Pleased to be joined by the king of Wooston, Josh Reddick. Good to see you. Hey, guys. How are we doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Good, good. Happy to be here. You've had quite a busy offseason, and I'm sure you've been honored quite a bit. You had a parade in your hometown mm-hmm. after the, the World Series. Has it sunk in yet that that you're a world champion? I think it has. You know, here, here we are two weeks away from spring training, and once the new year kind of hit, and everything kind of fell down to where we weren't talking about it, and then you go rec- go back and ride around Houston, and for me it's different because I bought a house here, so I'm kind of here most of the time, and you look around, you see bill- billboards everywhere, and you kind of see your picture everywhere. It's, it kind of sets in then every time you see something like that. And, I mean, just, just such a, an amazing year that, that this Astros team had, and You've been part of playoff teams, although this is the first time you, you actually got to, to play in a World Series and, and win a World Series. Uh, was there a point during the year or during spring training where you thought, hey, this this team can do it. This team this team could win a World Series. I, I mean, I thought that the day I signed here. Whenever yeah. I got that phone call and we, we picked up McCann and myself and Chuck, that, that same little week, weekly span, I felt like we had a really good chance. Um, felt like we could have used another pitcher, which we took care of, but, you know, um, with our lineup, I thought we felt like we had a great chance of, of being something really special, and we proved that. With our lineup, we proved that, and our staff that we had, we had a really good chance. So I, I knew really early. Now, let's talk about the process <laughs> of you coming here. So you, you, had, you came up with Boston, got mm-hmm. traded to Oakland, really established yourself in Oakland. Uh, deadline deal to the Dodgers uh, for the latter part of the 2016 season. Free agent uh, after the season. Signed a four-year deal here. Were the Astros one of the teams that, that, that kind of reached out to you early? How, how did the whole process go down? Yeah, they were actually the second team to uh, <clears throat> phone in, and I, I was actually shocked. I didn't think that the Astros were going to be calling at all. I didn't think that they were going to ever at all move Springer over. Or if anything, consider that. I actually honestly thought the Rangers were going to call because I do well there. So I thought that. And with Thank the, goodness they did, thank, by the thank way. Thank the Lord, you know, right? I mean, it's just a good good thing. But um, it was very quick. Um Called once, offered actually a, a three-year deal, mm-hmm. and then we kind of worked out it to get the four-year deal made. And I think it was like November 15, 16, we were agreed. So my free agent process was pretty simple and easy. And 
A.J. called me and said, look, you're going to play right field. You're going to play every day, and we're moving George over to center. So welcome. And there you go. It. That's what you want to hear, right, it. as a player. You want to know you're going to be in the lineup every day. 100%. 100%, no matter who's out there. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I, I thought was a real key to, to this season, I remember talking about this with A.J. Hinch in spring training, and you know, I'm not going to get into the numbers or anything, but it, you're in 2016 with the A's and the Dodgers, you struggled against lefties. You're a left-handed hitter. Yep. Uh, and I remember talking with A.J. I, you know, one of the first questions I asked him in spring training, I was in his office when I first got down there right before game started. I said, is Josh Reddick going to be able to play every day? And I remember A.J. said, I think so. He <laughs> said, I, I think. He's like, you know, obviously the really tough lefties probably – probably have to sit him for those games that's okay but he's like I, he's going to be able to play yeah you don't want to face this you don't want to face this anyway, yeah. unless it's in the playoffs right then we're good but he said he said i think he's gonna i think he's gonna be able to play every day he's like i think we can get we have some good matchups for him i think he's gonna be fine was that something that that you that ever crossed your mind at all coming into this season or coming into 2017 thinking about uh, how you how you could do against lefties so you could play more often i had to be better i knew deep yeah. down i had to be better at some point it wasn't about Hitting home runs against them was just about getting my hits against them. I think that was one of my big successes this year was not trying to hit the long ball, whether it was a right-handed or a left-handed pitcher, to just go out there and get, get your knocks. And I think that was a one big deal for me, and I knew that in spring training I wanted to face more lefties than I traditionally had to in the past. And I told AJ earlier on, I said, look, if we have lefties that aren't going to be dominating, I want to get in there just to get my reads on them, whether I go for three or three for three. I want to get my looks at them and kind of get used to that because – the right-handed pitcher is just going to fall into place. Those come yeah. so naturally and so often that you kind of just fall into that. So I wanted to get more looks at lefties as much as I could. I've heard left-handed hitters say that even if they struggle against lefties, they still like seeing lefties every now and again because mm -hmm. it forces them back into good mechanics, whether it's to keep the shoulder keeps in. It keeps you staying in the box. So, so you, you find that too? I, I agree, yeah. I mean, you get lefties that are so amped up to throw their curveball and slider that you can just put their fastball in your back pocket and not worry about that, especially if it's a guy throwing – you know, 93 or below, I feel like I have a good shot of at least fouling off his fastball to get to his off-speed stuff. So that's kind of been my approach, and it worked out. It certainly did. We're talking with Astros outfielder Josh Reddick. Hey, don't forget, spring training opener is just 23 days away, February 23rd. That's right, tomorrow's the beginning of February. It's at the ballpark of the Palm Beaches. Make your plans to see the World Series champion Houston Astros, West Palm Beach, Florida. For all there is to see and do, visit thepalmbeaches.com. And, and last year was the Astros' first year down at, at, at West Palm Beach, and you know, you're in that clubhouse, and obviously it's it can be tough sometimes to kind of get a read for what the chemistry is going to be like in mm -hmm. spring training. But I remember, you know, my first few days down there just seeing it looked like you're already kind of we're starting to fit in with Springer and some of the outfielders, and it seemed like you guys developed a, a pretty pretty tight bond pretty early. We did. You know, fortunately for me, it, it being the, the very young age of 30 coming into spring training, I was one of the older guys in this clubhouse. So yeah. I was pretty uh, respected a little bit because I had – quite a few years and a lot of guys on the team and i don't even have that many years so i only had to look up to brian mccann and, and beltron in that regard but um yeah i fit in really well because i saw how loud everybody was being and you know for me i'm a very loud person and i like to let people know what i'm thinking and it seemed to run well because everybody seems to love it and as long as i keep it within the certain areas that are okay i'm all right and right i tend to do a pretty good job of that but yeah i mean it was just coming into a new team with, with that respect was, was just what I needed and to feel comfortable to go in there into a new lineup and get plugged right into the heart of it was just something that made me a little more at ease. Was the transition easier also because playing for the A's all those years once mm -hmm. the Astros moved to the AL West, you saw a lot of the Astros. You saw them right. at their worst. You saw them as they improved. <laughs> I did. Uh, did, did that help with the transition also because you kind of you had an idea of the roster and, and had played against them yeah, so much? Yeah, I think just, just your interactions. You see us doing pregame stuff out there, talking in center field. I think that was – 
more than enough what I needed. And then getting to know guys like Tuvi and Correa on the base pass, you've seen Tuvi. Tuvi because of the talks to everybody. So, yeah. excuse me, it was just so much easier just playing against guys in your division that you had seen and, and kind of been a part of already that made it that, that much easier as opposed to, say, going from Oakland to L.A. where I went on an off day to a new team and a new league from guys I hadn't even played with before. So it's definitely a lot easier to come over to these guys. What was it like watching Jose Altuve every day? Did it surprise you? I mean, you obviously had seen him plenty. But... Two words. Yeah. One was impressive on the other side. On the, on the same team, frustrating but impressive. Because oh. I can go up there and line out three times, and he'll hit one off his shoe, and it'll be a single. <laughs> or he'll fall down, and somebody else will trip, and it'll be an infield single. And he gets all those lucky hits. And here, here we are, Springer and me and all those other guys are lining out. I think I've heard Springer tell you he's, he's got the magic wand with he that He does, bat, but Springer right? wands about everybody when they get infield hits because he doesn't get them, and he had the second most in the league. But Springer's a whiny baby. I don't know what he's whining. <laughs> guy hit 30 homers. But, that, but that's always kind of neat, though, when you, you, you watch a guy and then you get to be that guy's teammate, a great player like that, and, and really you kind of get insight into how they prepare and, and what sort of teammate they are. Overworking. I think Altuve yeah. overworks, but it works out for him because I'm kind of a guy that doesn't sit in the cage very long. Yeah. Um, but for, for what Jose can do, it's 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 really fascinating and impressive. And I keep going back to impressive, but that is what it is because he can hit a pitch three feet outside into the left center gap and hit one on the inside corner out to right field. So it's just impressive the work he does, the hands he has. But the most thing about Altuve is he's just having fun. And I think this game's nice and slow, and he's just having fun. Yeah, and that's, that's, a, that's a big part of it. We're here at Plucker's Wing Bar, 1400 Shepherd, and uh, you can join in on the conversation. Use the hashtag AstroLine on social media if you have questions for our guest tonight, Josh Reddick. And we have questions from the audience as well. Lauren Blackwell, you see her on the Minute Maid Park video board during the, the regular season. She's here with us. Hi, Lauren. How are you? I'm doing wonderful, Robert. How are you? Good to see you. Josh, we have a non-baseball question for you. Okay. How do you feel about Ronda Rousey joining WWE? The uh, the UFC fighter, yeah, yeah, former, former now UFC WWE fighter. fighter. Um, I'm I'm not for it. I'm not. I mean, it, it, she needed to make the transition, but I think she needed to make the transition during the match, not after the match. So I think they handled it horribly. Great idea bringing her in, but handled it bad. Are you gonna follow her career and cheer for her? I, I don't know if I can cheer for her. I'm a huge Charlotte Flair fan. Gotcha. I mean, it, and that's no, that's that was before an attachment with Rick. I met Charlotte a few years ago, and we became pretty close. So it's a uh, got a root for her. I'm not a big fan of Rhonda. All right. We'll have more from, from Lauren and our social media manager, Danny Ferris, with questions from the audience and from Twitter here later on in the show. And you're a huge wrestling guy. Huge. How, how, where did that all – I mean, for most people, starts as a kid, right? Oh, it did. That's definitely where it started. Yeah. But I fell out for a few years, and then I think it was after my first year of pro ball in the minors, I moved in with a buddy of mine that I'd known since middle school, and he watched it. Mm-hmm. Well, he paid the cable bill. So I had to watch it. And then just kind of got stuck with back with it and kicked back in and then went to my first live event and got to know the camera crew, and here we are, right so, back into it. So you didn't you, you hadn't seen a match live until you, you were in pro ball. So I was 21. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And your favorite wrestler of all time? <clears throat> Triple H. Why Triple H? I loved his walk-up song. He's got a, a hardcore <laughs> rock entrance song, and it was just always something I used in the minors. It just gets me fired up and gets me in the zone, and... His entrance is pretty sick. How? What, what are these guys like? I know you've gotten to know a few of them over the years. You mentioned you've gotten to know some people behind the scenes at WWE as well. How, what, what is it like getting to know these guys? They're very down to earth. Yeah. Um, it's kind of hard to go back there and talk to them out of character because you're so used to seeing them in character. Mm-hmm. But they're just like you and me. They go back there and they're human beings and they have a good time. And they're actually huge fans of baseball players. I went to the um, Survivor Series that was here in Houston. And uh-huh. 
I was just sitting there eating back in the food room. They let me go in there and grub on their food, fortunately. And just ten guys come up, hey, man, congratulations. And that's so cool. We that's were really watching. Neat. And it was pretty neat because I was seeing guys that I watch and cheer on TV congratulate me on something that I had accomplished and the team had accomplished. So it was pretty neat to see them being fans as well because a lot of people don't understand that for me, getting there is a huge release to just be there and watch, and I can get rowdy and get loud. All right. Somebody comes up to you, you tell them you're a big wrestling fan, and they say to you, oh, come on, man, wrestling, it's all acting, it's all fake. What's your response? You're not as good as an athlete as they are. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're not, so sorry. And what they, it's, and, it's very entertaining. Yes, it yeah. may be fake and, and, and pre-registered who wins, but the stuff they do is impressive. It really is. There's it, amazing you gotta be an, you got to be an intense and well-in-shape athlete to do what they do. Absolutely. Remember, if you have some questions for Josh Reddick, you reach out on Twitter. Use the hashtag Astroline. We'll have some questions from Twitter and from the audience coming up in a little bit. Don't forget, you're listening to Astros Radio right here in Houston on our flagship Sports Talk 790K. BME and 99.1 FM HD2, longtime partners and affiliates of the Houston Astros Radio Network. We're going to have more with Astros outfielder, world champion Astros outfielder, Josh Reddick, as Astroline presented by Carbach Brewing Company continues live from Plucker's Wing Bar and on the Houston Astros Radio Network. Reddick is ready, slightly open stance from the left side. Runners lead off first and second. I think the more you see, the better off you are as a hitter. Another 3-2. And Reddick rounds it left side. Pass the diving Bogarts and in the left field. Maybe around third. He will score. Springer goes to third. Up go ahead. RBI single for Josh Reddick. And the Astros lead it 4-3 in the eighth. What a bat. That is major caliber by Josh Reddick going the other way after seeing so many pitches off one of the best pitchers in baseball, Craig Kimbrell, and stunning the crowd here at Fenway Park. The eighth pitch was a charm for Josh Reddick. And welcome back to Astroline presented by Carbock Brewing Company coming to you live from Plucker's Wing Bar, 1400 Shepherd near downtown Houston. Robert Ford joined by Astros outfielder Josh Reddick, and uh, we heard one of the one of the highlights, I'm sure for you, but certainly for the Astros this postseason, Josh. Go ahead, RBI single in Game Four of the ALDS in Boston off of one of the tougher pitchers in baseball, Craig Kimbrell, and Astros took a four to three lead, wound up uh, winning that game and, and clinching uh, a spot in the League Championship Series against the Yankees. And uh, eight pitch at bat against Craig Kimbrell. And, I mean, you were battling. I mean, I can still see some of the pitches you were fouling off there. And, you know, Kimbrell's a tough customer. He's not what, easy. No. What was what was, what was was kind of your mindset going into that at-bat and then just as the at-bat progressed? Oh, uh, well, I've, I've faced Craig a few times in the past, and I've had really good at-bats, really good contact off him. I seem to guess what pitch he's throwing every, every time. And <clears throat> that time of the game, you know, you're, you're locked in as best as you can be. It's a tied game, and you're, you're just trying to get a pitch you can get. And I knew – I was getting a first-pitch fastball, and I wasn't really known for first-pitch fastball hitting this year, so I tried to jump on that and just couldn't get the pitch I wanted after that, so I just tried to foul off as much as I can. and Didn't think they were going to throw me a slider with what happened the day before, you know, the homer I hit uh-huh. off Kelly that got caught. We won't talk about that day, but um, I feel like that they weren't going to throw that, especially off a high-velocity guy. So I feel like I just, if I stayed on the fastball, it was going to be just fine until I got a pitch I can handle. He left one down to where I could actually get it and play and. Just tried to shoot it. Unfortunately, the guys were on the move because with the short porch at Fenway, I don't think it would have happened without a 3-2 count. But fortunately, we had Cam out there and, and a couple of fast guys. Yeah, made 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 all the difference in the yeah. world. And, yeah. I mean, that game was was crazy. You know, the Astros go down. Uh, Chris Sale comes in. I mean, just completely shutting the door. Then Bregman 
hits the home run to tie it, and yeah. that just seemed to breathe life into the team. That was all we needed. It felt like that was yeah. all we needed, that one big knock to get us going and pick the boys back up and kind of get us rowdy again to where, okay, we'll tie this game. If we can get to Chris Sale, we're going to get anybody. We're not going to let them worry about getting anybody else but Chris Sale. Worry about that when the time comes because we know they're not going to use him the whole time. they got to save him for a possible game five. Right. Get back to him, and we're going to beat their bullpens. I think that was one thing that really picked us up with Bregs. Had a great postseason the whole time, but probably no, no swing bigger than that one. Yeah, I mean, he came up with, I mean, Homer twice off of Chris Sale in the in the division series. I mean, it seems like, I mean, you look at Bregman and you look at how young he is mm -hmm. and the big hits he came up with all season and also in the postseason. I mean, it, yep. it's it's pretty impressive. It is. What what, what that kid can do on, on the baseball field is pretty special at such a young age. And, you know, we, we, we hope that we could have that in every 22-year-old, but it's just not that fortunate for us. Yeah. But he works hard. He's got a great crew around him. He sits around Correa and Altuve and just dissects and takes in everything those guys tell him. And it makes him a better player. And as long as we can keep him playing hard and keeping his head right, because Alex has a big head. He's that young college kid <laughs> yeah. who's got a big head, but it keeps him going, makes him play the game the right way. And as long as we can keep him doing that, he'll be fine. All right, we have uh, some questions for Josh Reddick on Twitter. We're joined now by Danny Farris, social media manager for the Astros. How's it going, Danny? Going well. Uh, we're streaming this right now on Facebook, and we're getting a lot of comments, a lot of questions. Uh, we're actually getting some family love from you right now. Uh, Cheryl says hello. My mother, of course. <laughs> Hi, Mom. Always we also in. have uh, Danielle that says, who do you like better, me or our brother? So we, we're getting a lot of Reddick action <laughs> up in here. Oh, Lord, my younger sister. This, this is the most listened I'm, to Astroline in Effingham <laughs> County, Georgia, ever. 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 Um, I'm not picking favorites, Danielle. I can't do that. <laughs> I can't do that. Uh, but one thing I want to talk about was last night um, on your flight, you did a little Twitter q and So I just wanted to call out a couple of them that I thought were funny and wanted to ask you about. So. Yep. Uh, one of them asked, how far you can, can you punt a football? You said 50-plus. 50-plus. No problem? No problem. Yep. <laughs> you, you punted in high school? I didn't play football at all. Okay. My dad wouldn't let me. But uh, I played flag football a little bit and just messing around, kicking a football growing up. I could, I could punt it pretty well. Wow. Another one that popped out to me was somebody asked you, favorite thing to, favorite thing to do in the Houston area? You said beat strangers at Cornhole. <laughs> how does that work out? You just walk uh, out and I play? Mean, it, well, and, you know, in season, if you, if you need to go out and have a cocktail after a win, you know, there's plenty of places with, with bags and Cornhole, so... I'm a, I'm a proud Southern Georgia boy who's pretty good at it, so I've taken on all challenges. I've yet to lose. I've yet wow. to lose, so bring it. <laughs> I love it. And, that, and the last thing I'll ask you about the uh, Twitter Q&A was somebody asked you the coolest thing to do in the offseason. You said Hawaii, obviously, but you were there for the for the missile. Alert. I was. I was there for the missile scare. Yeah, that was, that was, it was a tough week. You know, the day we landed, my Bulldogs lost the national championship, and then uh, – that happened a few days later, so it was uh, as exciting as that trip was. Had a, had a few had a scare, and uh, but what a gorgeous place! Gorgeous place. Played some golf out there. Great golf courses off the ocean, and so many touristy things to do. Very cool. All right, thanks, Danny. And, and you mentioned you're big University of Georgia fan yep. from Georgia. You're wearing your UGA hat uh, as we speak, and. Uh, I mean, man, what a, what a season they had. I mean, obviously, you came up a little short, but, yeah. I mean, to beat Oklahoma, come from behind, beat them in overtime in the in the semifinal, and, yep. and that game against Alabama, I mean, that's one people won't forget for a long time. No, it won't. Definitely two of the greatest playoff games I think this this world has seen, and couldn't be more prouder of the boys. You know, I was, I was obviously heartbroken when they lost, but what a, what a great program they've built there in the last two years with Kirby Smart coming over and doing what they can do because Georgia hasn't been able to win those big games like yeah. we need them to, and... He's done great with the classes they have coming in. With those recruits, they're going to be great for a few years. My only regret that I wasn't there for it. You know, maybe if I'd have been there, they'd have won. That could have been the difference maker. But would have been a great way to end the year. Astros win, Bulldogs win, 
We're set. That was a hot <laughs> ticket, too, because that game was in Atlanta. I mean, Georgia, Alabama, plenty of fans. From, I mean, the, the, the prices I was hearing about were astronomical. Well, if I hadn't planned Hawaii three months prior, yeah. you'd have bet your butt I'd have been there. You would have been there. I'd have been there on, on the sidelines, no matter what the cost. So were you, you, you played at junior college, baseball junior college, before you got drafted by the Red Sox. Did you, um, did you have a chance to play at UGA? I got a story for you. Okay. This is a good one. All right. Um, for, for all those listening who don't think they're, you know, they keep getting told they're not good enough, I went for a visit when I was in junior college to Georgia, put on a pretty good batting practice show, had a great showing. High, the head coach comes up to me and goes, we're, you're just not a player we look, we're looking for. You're not good enough to be a Bulldog. Wow. I was like, oh, okay. So I went and I went and won college player of the year, junior college player of the year, All-American, blah, blah, blah. Any, basically everything you can win in a national championship, minus that. Starts calling me. Telling me he wants me to come back. I play in a summer wooden bat league. End up signing late to go play pro ball. Well, fate has it. The day I sign, he calls. The day you sign with the, the Red day Sox. I sign with Boston okay. calls me and says, "Hey, I wanted to see if you got any consideration about becoming to Georgia." I said, "Yeah, I've given it a lot of thought. It's not too good for your team. I'm going to play pro ball. You can kiss my, you know what, and hung up on him. <laughs> hung up on him. He got fired the next year, not because of that, but because of illegal recruiting. But, yeah. Wow. Yeah." You had Gordon Beckham or Josh Reddick. Mm, you missed on that one. <laughs> <laughs> but it worked out. I'm not complaining. I got to the big leagues at a young age, so to heck with them. I'll keep rooting on their football team. And, I mean, you, you know, you grew, grew up in the Savannah, Georgia area, and if, if I have this right, if I remember the story right, you got cut from your middle school baseball team? Twice. 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 Seventh grade, eighth Seventh grade? Seventh and eighth grade, yep. And But you kept at it? Kept at it. I made the ninth grade team, junior varsity, um, I wasn't playing. I was playing a rec ball league with my dad who was coaching. Uh-huh. So one Saturday I went to the game for my dad at like 10. We had a baseball game at noon at the high school. My dad said, heck with this. You're winning. we got to play another one at 1. You're staying here. Uh-huh. Got kicked off. That was a whole different ordeal. Next year, <laughs> made it, got caught up to varsity, and the guy wanted me to, the head coach wanted me to come up in a game in jeans and a T-shirt, not even dressed. I said, well, I'm done with you. I'm out. And ever since then, it's just been a roller coaster ever since we got a new coach. Yeah. So it was a whole different story. My coach that came in in my junior year, my senior year, we're still good buddies this day, and whole different story. That's when I got moved to shortstop to right field, too, so maybe that was the move I needed. So you had been a shortstop before, before I, playing the outfield? I missed the infield every day. When I played first base in Oakland this year, I was the happiest person on the planet. <laughs> you, were, you were one of a few people lobbying to play first base. I was the only one. Were you the only I, one? I mean, I was the only guy who I, would, would have been the logical choice. I think, you know, we had Beltron come out because I came in for Beltron. McCann was out. Right. And then it was... Correa, they got hit. So there's really no other. It was right. either me, Nori, or um, I think, can't remember. Who was, was it Gaddis in the picture? Gaddis was catching. That's right. We had that's to have right. Him catching. That's right. But I can't remember who the third guy was. And I came in. I said, AJ, I'm going to first. <laughs> you sure? <laughs> yep. Give me a glove. And I went out there, and sure enough, perfect so, inning. So you miss you miss the action in the infield. I do. I don't know if I could play first. I missed shortstop second. There's a little more reaction time yeah. for me because you know that's a little close from where I'm used to now. But I would give anything to like end my career as a first baseman or something like that just to be that close because there's people to talk to in the infield in the outfield i got nothing to do but listen to idiot fans say i suck for nine innings <laughs> what um what visiting ballpark is the roughest on you in terms of the opposing fans yankees okay i think i think that's pretty universal we, we, we won't even say what they say at yeah. yankee stadium because yeah. what they were saying in the championship series is pretty vulgar and over the line i remember uh, when the Astros won the wild card game in 2015, Dallas Keuchel started that mm-hmm. game in New York, and uh, you know post game celebration. And we got to talk about your post game celebration after uh, wins too here coming up in a little bit. But you know we you know we're interviewing 
players and coaches down in the clubhouse, me and, and Steve Sparks, and uh, Sparky gets Brent Strom on. And Stromy was still fired up about the vitriol fans at Yankee Stadium were giving Dallas Keuchel when he was warming up before the game. I don't doubt it. I mean, he was still upset about it. And then I remember seeing him after the game uh, when I got down to the bus when we were, we were leaving um, to, to go to Kansas City, and he was still upset about it. Yeah. Like, he, he was that mad. I'm like, Strami, you've been in a lot of ballparks. You've heard a lot of these. Like, I've never heard anything it's, like it's that. It's bad. Yeah. I mean, they just they go and they get in, they Google your name and they get to your mother, your father, everything. They don't care. They don't hold back. And what gets me is the security staff is just standing there letting it happen, and nobody yeah. says anything, but that's just karma. You, you come out, you beat us three at your place, and we beat you, and you move on and go home. Yeah, you got the ultimate revenge exactly. against the Yankees. Exactly. And yeah. played there, played well there, uh, won three out of four during the regular three season, out of four, too. Yep, yep. So we get to go back there, and I can just turn around to the right field bleachers and do that. <laughs> just like when we go back to L.A. Do you, ever, do you ever have to resist the temptation to react to the fans or All the say time. anything? Yeah. All the time. You know, you, you, I've seen too many people go down for stupid little gestures, kind of, you know, right. just even the finger. You know, everybody does it. Everybody wants to do it. And as much as we want to do it to those fans out there, you just can't because there's way too many cameras, and you don't want to be that guy. Well, that's the thing. Everybody's got their cell phone out. They're waiting for you to react. Not just that. I mean, there's too many TV cameras around yeah. to catch everything. It's just you got... 12 cameras in a baseball game in the postseason, and there's a good chance one of them's on every player. So you yeah. gotta, you got to be smart and mouth something to them. I don't know. Just I always like, if, you, if they're ragging me, I always like to get the third out of the inning, turn around, pump fake, and just put it in my pocket and go. And, not and, that, and that makes them mad more than anything. So <laughs> just get under their skin best you can. Hey, folks, 2018 Astro season tickets are still on sale. Enjoy some of the best seats at Minute Maid Park. Save money and receive great benefits throughout the season. Call one eight seven seven nine astros or visit astros.com slash season tickets to get your seats today. We'll have more with Astros outfielder Josh Reddick as Astroline presented by Carbock Brewing Company live from Plucker's Wing Bar continues on the Houston Astros radio network. 3-2. And Kipnis lifts this one pretty well and pretty deep to center. Reddick is going back on the warning track. He leaps at the wall, and he caught it. Oh, my goodness. Josh Reddick took a whole run away from Jason Kipnis, and there's one out. Oh, how about Josh Reddick timing that one perfectly? Second game in center field all year long. Played it perfectly. It stole a home run away from Jason Kipnis as he points at Keuchel after Keuchel acknowledges a game-saving run right there. And welcome back to Astroline, presented by Carbock Brewing Company, coming to you live from Plucker's Wing Bar, 1400 Shepherd near downtown Houston, talking with the man who made that great catch, Astros outfielder Josh Reddick. And uh, that was pretty early in the year. That was in Cleveland, robbed that home run from Jason Kipnis. And Astros had some injuries at, at that point, and so you wound up moving to, to center field. What's more fun for you Hitting a home run robbing, or robbing one. a home run? Robbing one, 100%. Yeah, they don't come along as often, so there's a much better feeling. Much better feeling. Yes. So going back for that ball, uh, did you you have you had a pretty good idea you had a shot? I thought I had a good chance at it. Yeah. And, and I remember, if I remember right, I kind of changed direction at the last second, so I thought I'd overrun it. Uh-huh. Unfortunately, it hung up just enough for me, and I could jump just enough to get up there. But I had a good, I had a good chance, I feel like, because – you know, with, with Dallas and a lefty, you kind of play on the, the pull side because he didn't throw that hard in that two-seamer coming in, so you try to do that. But right, just was it the right place at the right time, fortunately. Certainly. Good good time to be playing center field. One of six games you started out there all year. I center field so much. Do I you? It. It's so much easier than right. George has it so easy now. <laughs> well, you have more room to roam in center. 
You don't have to worry fine. about the I'm wall. Fast as much. Well, I'm not. I'm not saying. No, I'm saying that's one of the reasons you like <laughs> right. it. I assume, yes. right? Well, you just you get a better read off the bat. You yeah. can see the ball at the trajectory, and you just, your reaction time's usually better. Okay. But you know, I'm I'm, still, I'm good with right field. That short run from the dugout to right at home, 81 times a year, is really nice. Yeah. As in, you know, when when I was in Oakland, I had to run 300 feet every time <laughs> back and forth. So <laughs> it's a pretty nice run. So I'll stick to right. I saw something during the season that if you're playing right field. Uh, as a home player in Oakland, or if you're playing left field as a visiting player, because visiting dugouts on the first base side in Oakland, over the course of a nine-inning game, you're going to run something like five miles, five I think it is. Miles, yep. Yeah. I mean, five that's because that's how much foul territory they have there. Yep. I'd, I'd, I'd average probably five, five, five miles a night, just jogging back and forth. Get your and steps then, in. And our video room was upstairs in the clubhouse, so you know how it works in, in the visiting side. It's the same right. on the other side. All the way up some stairs and then all the way back to the video room. So it's a constant video sprinting if I was like, Wanted to go watch video, and I was up six that inning. I had to sprint up, watch a batter, sprint right back down. Wow. So, but I got, I got my work in. Maybe that's why my legs are holding up pretty good, <laughs> knock on wood. All right, we had, we had to talk about, you know, obviously it's always exciting when your team wins and clinches something, whether it's a division, whether it's a playoff spot, whether it's uh, you're moving on to the next round of the postseason, and obviously the ultimate win in the World Series. And for every one of the Astros clinching celebrations, and this goes back to your days in Oakland, you had the same outfit, that American flag. Is it a Speedo? It is a Speedo, yes. It's not a bikini like everybody says it was. It's a Speedo. Sparky always called it a, 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 a bikini. It was a true American flag Speedo. So, first of all, how did this all start with the American flag Speedo in celebrations? I, I probably I just saw it on Amazon one day, and then, you know I, I've always got I've got American flag socks, I've got American flag underwear, I've got a lot of American flag attire okay. from head to toe. And I saw this, and I was like, you know what? That'll be a great item to have for the hot tub, for the whirlpool of the fields every day. You know, kind yeah. of save some sliders. And then uh-huh. I was struggling a little bit one at one point, and wore it over my my sliders one game, and turned things around. This is and when here you were we are. Yep, turned things around. Yeah, I started wearing it under my my, my uniform and. Got a couple of hits that night after struggling, so you know how we are. We don't change stuff if it works. And then so, it just kind of came around in celebration that I should have just wear that and pretty much nothing else. And and that's what you did. Got us to the World Series. So it's, if it it's was work, if it's working, you don't you don't switch it up. No, definitely so it's not. Definitely, it's definitely got a lot of champagne and beer in it in the last three years. <laughs> so it's definitely a winner. So it was the fifth time you went to the postseason this year. Mm-hmm. You, you went three years in a row with Oakland, and they won the two division titles and, and won the went to the wild card game the other year. Uh, you went with the Dodgers in 2016, and uh, you were also on the Red Sox team your first year that you came up, 2009, played 27 games for that team. Yep. You, you didn't play in the postseason, nope. but you were you were on that team that, that went to the postseason. What are, what are, do you see any common threads between postseason teams and, and the team you, you had with the Astros, things that, that you don't necessarily see on teams that don't get there? Yeah, you, you pick up on things like, let's go to Oakland, for example. We got Verlander twice in game five, two years in a row, and it was just because we didn't have, I guess, the lineup to match up against a guy like that because we right. didn't. You know, we had to go against Scherzer and Verlander in two, two, one, two, four, five, basically. So we had to right. beat two of the best pitchers, basically, in the game twice, and we didn't have the lineup to do it. Granted, we could have done it, but in that setting, we were such a young team, and those guys had so much experience, and I think it helped them out a lot more because you had – Miggy, Prince Fielder, right. Tory Hunter, all these guys that were just so much more experienced than we were, I think that helped them out. And then you look at, say, our 14, our 14 year, the wild card game, which is probably the best game minus this past World Series. Yeah. Probably the best playoff game ever that a game that we should have won and we just couldn't, we didn't have the pitching. 
We didn't have a bullpen that could get it done. We couldn't throw a guy out stealing a base because they had seven of them. <laughs> That's right. Anyway, so you look back at our team, and you look back at going from beginning and say, okay, they got the lineup, they've got the pitching staff, but they need that one guy who can get them over the edge, and that was what we needed in JV to get us past that. And I think that was the one step we had from going to magnificent to an elite team that didn't need to be, that couldn't, you know, be beaten. And I think that was one thing we needed to do and get right because we had the lineup, like I said, we had the bullpen to handle it. We just needed that, that one guy to help get us over the edge. So July 31st, non-waiver trade deadline comes and goes. Astros get Francisco Liriano, who had been starting for the Blue Jays, a pitch out of the bullpen as a lefty. Uh, don't don't really make a, a big splash at that point. Of course, a lot was made out of the, the comments that Alex Keuchel made publicly to the media. Of course, you know, fans feel one way. Yep. What, what what was the feeling in the clubhouse? Because, I mean, I, I'd imagine at one point, obviously, you, you want to you get another pitcher. Yeah. Everybody knew that's what the Astros needed to get you over the hump, especially since a lot of the starters were on the DL this past year. But yep. But by the same token, you also have to kind of feel like, hey, these are my guys, and you don't want – right. You, you still want you still want to show support to your yeah, guys. Yeah, it's kind of hit or miss depending on how you take it. And I, think yeah. that, I think the way Dallas handled it was probably the best he could. And, and you mm-hmm. know, he spoke for a lot of us on the team because I think deep down we all knew that we needed that left-handed specialist. And, you know, we, we felt like we were on a pretty good track to get some guys that were going to put us over that hump. And when it didn't happen, I think we were just so disappointed and upset that we kind of just let it fly. But, you know – we're grown-ups. we got to let people know how we're feeling, too. You know, and yeah. it's, it's not like we're bashing other teammates. We just know that we wanted to give our team the best chance we could to win, and we knew if we got one of those guys that that was going to give us that chance. And why wouldn't you want that? Why wouldn't you want to make your team better to be a team that can be reckoned with? So I don't see why people make such a big deal about something like that, comments like that, because we're right. speaking the truth about how we want to feel and how we want to have our team right. And I don't think it was directed at anybody that we didn't trust in them because we do. We trust every guy that puts on that Astro uniform for us every day. And we're going to bust our butt for him. But if you can make your team better any day by making moves like that, I think you should be able to do that. And the Astros did. August 31st. The very last second. Very Surprised last second. Two seconds to spare. Get Justin Verlander. Yep. Where were you? When, when were, you were you following along? I know you're on I was. Twitter. I was. Were, were you following along? What, I was on ESPN News that night following along, just hoping and reading every Twitter feed I could. Trying to help out as much as possible, and then I heard it was it didn't happen. Everybody here probably saw my tweet about the major league base, uh, you know, major league reference. Well, you know, there's only oh, yeah, one thing right. left to do. That's right. And uh, then as soon as I think I hit the tweet button, it happened. So I kind of just went back and retracted my statement and <laughs> put. I think it was the um, Dumb and Dumber tweet, and you know, the totally redeem oh, yeah. yourself tweet. So I think I tagged that into it. So it was it was definitely a lot of fun. I was sitting on my couch with a buddy of mine, and we were watching pretty intently. So we. Uh, once it happened, we, we, we celebrated pretty pretty loudly. And you mentioned you, you guys went up against Verlander a couple of different years in yep. the division series when he was with Detroit and, and you were with Oakland. So yep. you, you got to face him in some, some pressure-packed games and, and yeah. saw how he performed. And we were talking about Altuve earlier about how watching him on the other side, then getting to play with him. What was it like getting to know Verlander or getting to play behind Verlander? A lot different than the way I portrayed him as an opponent because as his opponent, I, I, I didn't really like the guy uh-huh. because of the way he acted. But that just shows me from playing with him now, that's the Verlander that he is on the mound because off the mound, Justin Verlander is one of the coolest guys I've ever met in this game because, one, he's all about teaching everybody. He's not just teaching pitchers. He's teaching me. He's teaching George Springer. He's teaching Altuve. He's teaching all these young guys different aspects of the game. But then again, you know, when things get serious, he's like, hey, like you saw in the game, was it game two? Oh, well, yeah. I'm serious. When he came right. back out, he was just, that's, hey, guys, we're going to win this game, and we're going to get out there, and we're going to be, you know, we're going to take this thing back 1-1. It's just 
those little things that certain people don't know when to step up. Like for me, I wouldn't have known to come in and yell like that to some certain degree. I was too focused on trying to talk to somebody else or just trying to get my mind right where he, as opposed to him, he comes out and he focuses on everybody to get us right, not get down on ourselves. So he, he knew deep down what he needed to do, and he, 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 put a, he put that captain on his chest real quick. He certainly did. And it can be tough sometimes, I think, for a starting pitcher to, to assert themselves that way mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, you pitch every fifth day. You know, starters, you know, once you're out after six innings, however many innings it is, a lot of guys are back in the clubhouse. They're yep. getting treatment. They're, you know, uh, uh, doing their whole post-start routine. I don't think there are too many guys who could have pulled off what he did. Do you, would you agree to that? I, I would. And, you know, and it's not about people going, I think, the World Series. Just once they came out, they didn't really go very far because in the tunnel we didn't have to go very far from the right. the video room. So we were, we were right there underneath. But, I, yeah, I mean, it's just he just wants to win so bad. Yeah. And I think that's what made him a great fit in for this team because we all wanted to win so bad that he just jumped on the train and, was so excited about being with a winning team again and had a good shot at being the team that could win it all that I think that put him on a whole other level than Justin Verlander normally had been. Yeah, it was certainly a lot of fun watching Justin Verlander pitch for the Astros at the end of the regular season and the postseason. Hey, you can find all the Astros postseason and World Series championship merchandise by visiting the Astros team's store. Purchase customized jerseys, Astros gear, hats, and more. Visit Astros.com slash team store to see what's available today. We'll have more with Astros outfielder Josh Reddick as Astroline presented by Carbach Brewing Company continues live from Plucker's Wing Bar and on the Houston Astros Radio Network. Houston, we don't have a problem. We got a championship. And now we head out to the video screen where we are joined by WWE legend, the nature boy, Ric Flair. Houston, let's play ball. Woo! And Reddick hits it high in the air and deep to right field. Romine is looking up. See you later. A go-ahead three-run home run for Josh Reddick. And the Astros lead it six to five. Much to the dismay of the fans here in Detroit. Josh Reddick, who has driven in five tonight. And welcome back. Final segment of Astroline presented by Carbach Brewing Company coming to you live from Plucker's Wing Bar, 1400 Shepherd. Hey, hope you can join us for our next Astroline broadcast. It'll be next Thursday, February 8th. I'll be hosting that one. The guest to be announced, but hope to see you out here at Plucker's Wing Bar, 1400 Shepherd, next Thursday for our next edition of Astroline. Joined this week by Astros outfielder Josh Reddick. And, uh, you know, whenever I always knew how many Astros fans were in the ballpark when the Astros were on the road. When you came to the plate, because I, I could tell by the number amount of woos yep. I'd hear in the stands. and you know, you, We talked earlier, big wrestling guy, early in the season, you went with Ric Flair's uh, walk-up song, which has the woo in it, which, which, which he made famous. And you've brought to Houston, and we just heard uh, the Ric Flair did the woo before one of the World Series games on the Minute Maid Park video board. Uh, did you did you have any idea that that would kind of take a life of its own after you decided to use that? No idea. Yeah. I had no clue. Um, and it all came to me in game three of the year when Springer hit that walk-off in the uh, 13th. And around the 11th and 12th, it was like a wrestling event. And all you heard was about 15 people back and forth the stadium wooing back and forth. For those that don't know, when you go to a wrestling event, before the show starts, it's just the whole arena wooing, yeah, getting ready for the show to start. So. That was kind of neat for me. So I was like, hmm, I'm going to run off with this to see if it takes anything. And if not, then move on. And then now we're in Wooston. So it definitely picked up a, bit more, a lot more than I thought for me. I'm a huge 
walk-up song guy. So yeah. for me to keep one for longer than a month and a half was a pretty <laughs> pretty good standard for me. It's not really often that that happens for me. So for me to even keep one all year was something just un- unheard of. Although when you were in Oakland, you were known for Careless Whisper yeah, by Wham. Yeah, I only had that one for like two and a half, three months, though. Really? So I think I started using that in like July. Okay. And then I ran it out for the rest of the year, but this one was the earliest I've ever started with one. And I thought it was really neat. Uh, at first time Astros went back to Oakland was the first time you'd been there since they had traded you away yep. in 2016. And first time you came up, you got a nice ovation. You're really popular with, you know, they have a group of fans at the Oakland Coliseum that are always out there in right field, and they're there every game, and they're diehards. You know, they don't always draw well in Oakland, but the people who show up there, Never. they're into it. They are. The people that do show up are into it big time, and, you know, they, they may not average as many as the next stadium, but those those guys in right, they're, they're diehard fans. They're crazy. They got some great heckling, and, Lord, if their drums aren't annoying. <laughs> <laughs> their drums are annoying, and I'll tell that to their face. I don't care. <laughs> and the, but the first time you came up in Oakland uh, as a visiting player after they traded you away with the Astros, they played Careless Whisper, which I thought was a really I had neat a, touch. I had a good feeling they were going to do that because yeah. of the reception that it did get when I had it when I was there. But uh, what a great feeling to go back to a team that you spent so much time with and made a name for yourself. And, you know, as much as we would all like to have that sellout ovation, it was still cool whether there was 200 or 2,000 there. It was still a cool feeling to get the warm welcome back that I did receive and then, of course, beat the crap out of them that night, too. So anytime you can beat your former team, it's going to be something special. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was good to see him come back and, and kind of give me that welcome. Yeah, re- really, really neat. Just shows the sort of impact you had while while you were there. And uh, you know, we talked earlier, you're a Georgia boy from Savannah area, Effingham County, Georgia. Effingham, yep. And uh, this past December, pretty cool moment they had a little parade they did to honor you world champion from from the from georgia that that was pretty neat it's a small town yeah very small town where i'm from so they don't they don't get a whole lot of action like that much ever so it was pretty cool the uh the the recreation guy who's been there for 50 plus years clarence morgan who actually just had a uh, complex new complex named after him that where my foundation and i are helping actually fund a a new field Uh um who's done so much for that county he actually set all that up so very thankful for what he does not only for myself but for that county but it was cool to have have just a little mini parade and kind of go down the streets of my small town and see all the people that did come out and enjoy that day but they 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 do so much for me that i can't thank them enough that they they give me all kinds of stuff that i can't even ask for so nice. it's, it's pretty special and as you mentioned fundraiser for your foundation as well so uh what your foundation what what does it uh what does it look to help well this is just the josh reddick foundation it's based in my hometown we raise funds for anything from police fire animal shelters education we give i give scholarships every year to the high school between a male and female athlete at both high schools so we kick out money to help them out every year so any, we're trying to give back as much as possible we have a home run derby every year a concert, and we just incorporated a 5K this year. So we're, we're kind of just trying to raise as much money as we can in a short time to not necessarily make it perfect, but make the county a little bit better than it already is. So anytime we can help and you can help out with the future generation, that's what it's all about. Are you the most famous person from Effingham County, Georgia? Uh, it, it's If I had to say now, yes. Uh-huh. But there is a country performing artist from there who has, doesn't come back. And for those who know Billy Currington's name, sure, he is from Rinkin, Georgia, which is in Effingham, and okay. has not done a thing for Effingham County, so nobody likes him. So I win. <laughs> <laughs> but that, I win. That's got to be neat for you, though, to, to go back and, and to give back to a community that, that gave you so much. It, it is, you know. I mean, that's that's home. That's where I got my start. That's where I grew up playing. So it was always my goal and my dream to come back and one have a field there, to where it could be used for for kids in that age group, but. Not only just be able to come back and, and be welcomed and loved the way I am there because, you know, 
before I left, I was a nobody. My family and nobody is just a small town where you just, hey, everybody knows everybody now. It's, oh, we got this Josh Reddick guy who comes back for some reason to Effingham County. People just don't understand. Why do you come back? I was like, you don't get it. It's home for me. Yeah. And not a lot of people from Effingham get out a whole lot. So that could be a different thing for them, too. Well, we, you know, why did you come back? There's nothing here. I said, yeah, it's here. I'm, I'm here for two months of the season. This is something for me to come back. My whole family's here. My friends are here. So it makes sense for me to come back here. But I love it there. It's, you know, got my favorite restaurant there that I go to six times. I'm there every week. So it's uh, one of my special places. What do you What do you get? It's called the Shell House. Okay. And it's a uh, kind of like a seafood restaurant. Best crab legs you can ever have. Really? And that's my favorite food. Crab legs are my favorite food. So, so they, the sh- they've got the best I've ever had. So the Shell House, what what town? It's in Savannah. It's in it's Savannah. It's in Savannah off 95 and 204. Free PR for y'all that are listening back home. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so when are they putting up the hometown of Josh Reddick sign and on the road that leads into your that's hometown? That's actually a good question because I've been trying to get one for six years there. And they finally <laughs> they finally put one in the motion to get one this year. This year. So finally okay. I can get one. But Billy Currington got one when as soon as his first number one made it. So I'm kind of upset at my council. Yeah. So yeah. Fi- hopefully we'll get one. His is about this big, so hopefully mine will be that big. A little bigger. A little bigger, I hope. Maybe it'll be I in hope. front of his. It should be. If it was up to me, I'd have <laughs> ran his over with my pickup truck by now. But that probably wouldn't go very well. But, I mean, that that's really cool that, that you give back to your community. And, you know, you have a chance to, to get down there. And I always think it's neat. I mean, that's I think that's one of the neat things about being from a small town is mm-hmm. that when you do something like this, hey, the folks are like, hey, let's have a parade. They come out. They yeah. Do, they do come out because it's something they don't get to witness very often. You know, it's a dry county, so if you want to do something alcoholic beverage-wise, you got to leave the county. But it's uh, it's just one of those things where, oh, you don't get a whole something like that a whole lot, and we can get out of the house. It's always, always something they can enjoy. And I enjoy doing it for them because you don't see stuff like that come from my hometown. Well, Josh Reddick, always good to see you. I'll see you soon here at spring training. It'll be here before you know it. I know you're going to be heading down pretty soon. Uh, but thanks for joining us. So glad that you're a part of the Astros. So glad you came here. I enjoyed watching you. Yep. Only so much, though, when you were with the <laughs> Oakland A's. Uh, I know. You used to beat a few guys pretty bad. Yes. <laughs> and I think you dropped a few hits from George Springer, too. And Springer has reminded me. And Altuve. Springer's reminded me a few times. Just remind Springer any time that. He knows not to run on me now because he got thrown out of third play way back, and he knows not to run on me. <laughs> but so good you're here. So glad you're going to be here for, for a little while. And, uh, again, thanks for coming out, and, and glad you're a member of the world champion Houston Astros. Same here. I'm happy to be here, and I'm very fortunate to be here. All right. Josh Reddick, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, everybody. And that will just about do it for this edition of Astro Line. like to thank all who made tonight's broadcast possible. Studio producers Bob Elliott, producer engineer Matt Bolts. I'd like to thank. Lauren Blackwell, social media manager Danny Ferris as well. All the great people here at Pluckers. All the great people with Carbock Brewing Company as well. Next Astroline, next Thursday, 6 o'clock. Next Thursday, February the 8th, right here at Pluckers Wing Bar. Certainly hope you can join us. I'm Robert Ford saying so long. You've been listening to Astroline presented by Carbock Brewing Company, live from Pluckers Wing Bar. Sports Talk 790 Astroline, the Astros' official off-season show, presented by Carbock Brewing Company. Astroline. Hear your world champion Houston Astros go for the repeat on Sports Talk 790, home of the Strohs. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.